Hello, and welcome to Mason Out Loud. Today's podcast features author Art Taylor reading from his Agatha award-winning novel, On the Road with Dell and Louise, a novel and stories. Art will read from the opening chapter about two small-town crooks who are looking for a fresh start. Here is Art Taylor. I'll be reading from the opening story, Rearview Mirror, and I should point out that the narrator here is Louise. So this is from a female perspective. This is the point at which Dell and Louise first meet. When I first met Dell, he was robbing the 7-Eleven over in Eagle Nest, where I worked at the time. This was about a year ago. I'd been sitting behind the counter reading one of the Cosmos off the shelf when in comes this fellow in jeans and a white t-shirt and a ski mask pointing a pistol. I'm not going to hurt you. He said, I'm not a bad man. I just need an occasional boost in my income. I laid the Cosmo face down on the counter. I didn't want to lose my place. You're robbing me, I said. Yes, ma'am. I bit my lip and shook my head. No, 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 just slightly. I'm only 28, I said. He looked over toward the Doritos display, not looking at it, but pointing his head in that direction, the way some people stare into space whenever they're thinking. He had a mustache and a beard. I could see the stray hairs poking out around the bottom of the ski mask and near the hole where his mouth was. Excuse me, he said finally, turning back to face me. His eyes were this piney green. I'm not a ma'am, I said. He held up his free hand, the one without the pistol, and made to run it through his hair, another sign of thinking. But with the ski mask, it just slid across the wool. Either way, could you hurry it up? I'm on a schedule. Many reasons for him to be frustrated, I knew, not the least of which was having to wear wool in New Mexico in the summer. He glanced outside. The gas pumps were empty, nothing but darkness on the other side of the road. This time of night, we didn't get much traffic. I shrugged, opened the cash register. You know, I said, as I bent down for a bag to put his money in, you have picked the one solitary hour that I'm alone in the store, between the time that Pete has to head home for his mom's curfew and the time that our night manager strolls in for the midnight to six. I know, I've been watching you. And then there was this nervous catch in his voice. Not in a bad way, I mean, not voyeuristically. He enunciated both that word and the next. Surveillance, you know, I'm not a pervert. I kept loading the register into the bag. You don't think I'm worth watching? Again, with the ski mask, I couldn't be sure, but he seemed to blush. No, I mean, yes, he said. You're very pretty. I nodded. There's not much money here we have access to, you know. A lot of it goes straight to the safe. That's procedure. I'm a fairly frugal man, he said. Sometimes I need extra for tuition. Tuition, I asked, and other academic expenses. Academic expenses, I repeated, not a question this time. I thought that he had a nice voice, and then I told him so. You have a nice voice, I said, and pretty eyes. I gave him my phone number, not writing it down because a security camera would have picked that up, but just told him to call, repeating the number twice so he would remember it. And my name is Louise. Thanks, he said, Louise. Good luck with your education, I called after him, but the door had already swung closed. I watched him run out toward the pumps and beyond, admired the way his body moved, the curve of his jeans, for as long as I could make him out against the darkness. I gave him a head start before I dialed 911. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I was some bored, bubblegum-popping, cosmo-reading girl, disillusioned with the real world and tired already of being a grown-up, and along comes this bad boy and, more than that, literally a criminal. And, well, sure, there's some truth there. 
but here again you'd be missing the point. It wasn't exciting that he robbed convenience stores. It was exciting that he was brave enough to call me afterwards, especially in this age of caller ID when I had his phone number and name immediately, Grayson, Delwood, and could have sent the police after him in a minute. That Cosmo article, the one I was reading when he showed up in the ski mask, romantic gestures gone good, strange but true stories of how he wooed and won me. Not a one of those stories held a candle to hearing Dell's voice on the other end of the phone. Hello, Louise, I am... Uh, Robbed your 7-Eleven the other night, and I've been percolating on our conversation ever since. Are you free to talk? That takes a real man, I thought, and don't forget those academic expenses, a man who might be going somewhere. We had a chance to sit down with Art Taylor and talk about his novel and the writing process. I've been very pleased, obviously, with the attention that On the Road with Dell and Louise has gotten as my first novel. But what's interesting about it is that it didn't really start out terms of my plans as a novel at all, uh, but as a short story. Uh, back in uh, the 2007, in October of 2007, to celebrate a successful fall for the book when I was working on fall for the book uh, pretty extensively at that time, uh, my wife and I took a trip to the American Southwest, and we traveled from uh, Taos to Santa Fe to Albuquerque, a similar trip to what Del and Louise take in the first story in the novel, Rearview Mirror. In spring the following spring of 2008, the Washington Post ran a fiction contest. At that time, they ran a fiction contest on Valentine's Day. They would put a picture up and ask writers to write a story responding to that picture. The picture that year was of a woman in the passenger seat of a convertible, her legs kicked up on the side, uh, side door, and her back leaning against the driver. Uh, and in the background was the American Southwest, cactus and, uh, and desert. My wife, who's also a writer, Tara Laskowski, who's also a writer, uh, challenged me, both of us, to write a story and submit to the Washington Post. Well, I had just taken that trip. We'd just taken that trip before. So I overlaid an adventure on some of the landmarks from the travels we'd done in the American Southwest just a few months before. Uh, my story eventually, very quickly, uh, outran the maximum word count to submit to the Washington Post. So, once I was done with it, I sent it to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, where it was eventually published. Um, that was a complete story, though, at that time. And in, in terms of these characters, Dell and Louise, I didn't think then that I had more to say about them. It was only over time that I started to wonder what happened at the after the end of that story, what happened next for them, and I started working on, uh, for the first time in my career, uh, a sequel uh, to a, a short story. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I pictured further adventures, and not just uh, in terms of like, here's a new uh, story featuring these characters, but how each of those stories served as a building block to a longer story. So it wasn't just if you look at the full book, it wasn't just a wine heist in Napa Valley or uh, this, this wedding chapel caper uh, in, in Las Vegas. Instead, it was that each of those pieces were uh, about the movement closer together or further apart, uh, raised more questions about what their relationship uh, meant to each of them and what their future held. And so I think that, that uh, for me, the short stories are hopefully standalone, but also put together in this case, form that bigger, longer, uh, and hopefully more satisfying narrative. So that's, that's the way that, that the single story uh, led into what did become my first novel. 
Mason Out Loud is a production of the Department of English at George Mason University and WGMU Radio in Fairfax, Virginia. Michael Hawk is our producer and engineer. I'm your host, Deborah Latanzi-Shudica, and music is by Sean Fluger. Thank you for listening.